Hi there, and welcome to Tending the Threshold, an eight-part podcast mini-series. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola. These special edition episodes of the Numinous Podcast feature conversations with my fellow presenters at the Tending the Threshold Conference, an event happening in Ashland, Oregon, on May 26th and 27th, 2018. This extraordinary event is a gathering of change makers, bridge builders, and edge dwellers. It's about relationship, ritual, and revolution. It's an experience of radical togetherness, disruptive social change, and emergent creativity. There will be art, beauty, play, grief, gratitude, conflict, intimacy, and community. In other words, this is not the patriarchy's conventional conference. The container at this unconference will be held by a group of 10 co-facilitators from three countries and many walks of life. The group includes poet and spoken word artist Tanur Ali, conflict engagement and resolution practitioner Aftab Erfan, equity and inclusion consultant Desiree Attaway, clinical psychologist and author Bio Acoma Lafay, social entrepreneur Donnie McClurkin, artist and death doula Rachel Rice, educator, facilitator, and indigenous rights activist Aaron Ortega, videographer and artist Beck Stupak, therapist, ritualist, and conference founder Holly Truler, and myself, Carmen Spaniola. For new listeners, allow me to just briefly introduce myself. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist, a somatic trauma resolution practitioner, and a wilderness guide. As of spring 2018, this show, The Numinous Podcast, has been around for four years and over 100 episodes. And occasionally, I'll do a mini-series focusing on a singular topic. Throughout this mini-series, I'll be hosting conversations with my co-facilitators, exploring the threshold upon which we find ourselves as humans living in these challenging times. I'm asking each guest how they see the threshold and why they feel drawn to gather with others in Ashland to tend the threshold. Aftab Erfan, PhD, is a scholar practitioner working in the areas of community engagement, conflict resolution, strategic planning, intercultural diversity, and leadership development for social transformation. Her facilitation approach is based in various methodologies, including deep democracy, the art of hosting and harvesting, theory U, action inquiry, and the expressive arts field. She is often called in as a facilitator when there is a large degree of complexity, when there are divisive issues within a group, or when a group simply needs help to connect on a deeper level. She has facilitated large group decision-making and conflict resolution in high-stakes situations, including in the Middle East. I connected with Aftab online at the end of her workday at the University of British Columbia. So Aftab, the event that we're co-facilitating in May in Ashland, Oregon, is called Tending the Threshold. And I'd love to hear how you would describe the threshold at which we stand as humans living in these times. Mm -hmm. 
<sighs> yeah. Um, so I guess I will maybe speak to it uh, in the social realm, which is where I'm spending most of my time. Um, and I think in the social realm, at least in North America, uh, we are at a kind of a threshold of um, a lot of power dynamics, a lot of well, really kind of the old system uh, coming to an end and something new beginning, and we have no idea what the shape of this new thing is. Um, but I think the way that I experience it in the social realm and in much of my work um, is a kind of uh, naming the different injustices, the lack of equity, the lack of in inclusion that has been part of our history as societies, and knowing that that's not correct anymore. And uh, there's this talk of how do we fix that, and we don't really quite know how to fix that. And I think uh, in some ways I was going to say what is, what is before us, it's like the, the, the threshold and we can kind of cross it into a new realm, and it could be um, a realm of we go into um, a greater understanding of each other and adjusting how we stand together, adjusting our relationship, adjusting the power relationships, doing a better job of um, of sharing really, and but also of understanding each other. Um, or we could go this other way of retreating into who we are and uh, almost like going more fully into our identities or what we think our identities are or should be and becoming more divided and becoming almost becoming uh, maybe it's like going back into tribalism or uh, going into war all over the place or something like that. Um, so I think it's, it's a kind of a threshold of um, new social relations coming into play. And we don't quite know, like, it's like a coin flip and it could land this way or it could land that way. Hopefully it's not quite as random as that. Hopefully we have some influence over that. Um, but it's like we could become totally polarized and going to war or we could figure our way through this to create a kind of new order. That's how I would, how I would talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. That really speaks to my sense of it as well. So how would you describe your work in conflict engagement and, and how, um, how you, like what's your philosophy or, or your techniques or like what's in your toolkit? Because there's a lot of different ways to figure out how to adjust our social relationships. What's your, your approach? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I should say that uh, I work right now, the majority of my work is in the context uh, of a university. So I work at the University of British Columbia and um, I'm the director of dialogue and conflict engagement for the university. So basically I'm in charge of the conflict that is breaking out uh, in the university between the different members of our community and against the backdrop of the societal conflicts that we are in. Um, and uh, basically, you know, sometimes I think of it as if, if we, we are in a very diverse setting um, our, in our university, you know, there's folks from all over the place and all kinds of, you know, ages, genders, every, every kind of diversity that you can think of. 
and a lot of diversity of thought. Um, maybe actually not as much political diversity as they could have, but that's a different different question. Um, uh, so there is uh, there is a lot of difference, and and there's a lot of conflict, um, and I think it, I kind of sometimes I have talked about it this way of there is at least three different ways. Well, there's really four different ways of going about settling our differences. And the default way in the university and in a lot of our uh, institutions traditionally has been a legal path of saying, okay, there, there's some kind of conflict between people to settle it. Well, we have to see if somebody violated some kind of rule and if they did, we'll punish them or we'll like, get, you know, take them out of the university, let's say. Um, but it, there's a sort of legalistic approach to that of proving what, that something wrong has happened or somebody is in the right and somebody's in the wrong. Um, and to some degree, I mean, I think that has a huge role and we're seeing um, a lot of that in our society, whether people are taking the, the route of the legal system or going beyond the legal system, going to social media, doing the Me Too thing. I mean, we are definitely seeing a kind of calling out something wrong that has happened and punishing people um, or removing people from positions of power. So all of that is happening and I think to a huge degree great and also um, it's, it's, it's very hard on our social systems, on the fabric of our communities, the way that I see it at the university, it's like, you know, uh, uh, whatever, the powerful professor who was sleeping with a grad student get, gets kicked out but the pattern doesn't go away. And actually, in the in the um, investigation and uh, in the the way that people are treated by the legal system, there's a lot of damage that's done in that as well. So it works and it doesn't work. Um, I think the second path is what I might call the social justice path, just very broadly speaking, which has an analysis of of power, which is uh, beyond what the justice system recognizes. It's a social justice uh, kind of analysis. And um, it's pointing to uh, differences, not in a neutral way, but uh, against these axes of power. Uh, and, and so there's the whole culture. So, so this is quite, there's like a whole set of um, frameworks and ways of talking about it and teachings that, that one can get and practices of calling in and calling out. You know, there's like a whole set of things around this. And again, I feel like, it both works and it doesn't work. So we've definitely become very sophisticated in pockets um, about how we see colonialism, patriarchy, uh, white supremacy, environmental destruction, like what, what, how we have a good analysis of that. Um, and there's also a kind of a backlash to that, that, uh, that there is, whether it's out of um, fragility or out of our sense of, well, what else could possibly happen? that people are taking offense to this kind of analysis and, and, um, and this way of, uh, of talking about things. So I, again, feel like it definitely has a place and um, it's not going to solve all of our problems. So a third approach might be a dialogic approach, which, is, which doesn't have um, a, a strong sense of right and wrong in the way that a legal system or a social justice system might. Um, but it's just saying, like, let's hear what is going on. Let's get into the experience of different people. Let's get into the reality of different people. Um, even the white supremacist gets to talk. And, and let's actually hear their truth 
in more depth than the two-liner that we usually get from them or the, 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 the kind of talks that we often hear from them. And then also let's just make sure that those who haven't had voice really get a voice. And, and so you create that uh, through setting the stage and creating environments that are, I wouldn't say safe, but because they're very risky, but, uh, but, but allowed a little bit more space for people to actually be heard by each other. Um, and I would say that I, I sit most strongly in this uh, school, if, if you will, in the dialogic school. Um, and my work with different methodologies and, and especially with deep democracy, which is the kind of the core methodology that I use, um, is really in creating space for conversation, for dialogue. Like the other approaches, it kind of works and it kind of doesn't work. Um, it, it works in the sense of bringing out conversations that were too taboo or we thought we couldn't have or whatever. And it also, it, it's kind of subject to criticism of, um, of, of not taking a strong enough stance or, or allowing voices who've spoken before to speak. You know, it's, it's kind of subject to all of that critique, especially from the social justice school. Uh, and then I would say just the last one in my mind, um, I might call uh, the embodied approach to working with our differences, which is, which is, which is um, everything from ceremony and ritual to the arts to just being together, eating together, uh, immersion in another community or culture, um, playing sports, you know, like all these ways of being in our bodies together and maybe in our spirits together without even really talking through things, but um, working out some of our differences by, uh, by embodying a reality together. And so, again, I feel like and more and more as I look into it, there's a lot of promise in, in this uh, approach. And definitely the research around the arts, especially, is just bringing up so many insights about, um, like, physiologically, what changes when we participate in something together. Um, and at the same time, I think it's, it's what, what we are finding, again, from research. It's like, it doesn't, if people play sports together, uh, you have just the same screwed up dynamics that you have in the rest of society in the sports teams, you know, <laughs> unless we have other lenses to bring into it or ways to talk about it, it doesn't necessarily change things or it probably won't change things. And so um, I feel like with all these different approaches to how we work with or settle or um, work through our conflicts and our differences, um, we don't know that any of them work. Uh, I have the sense that probably there's some combination of them that sort of kind of works. <laughs> there's like, we have to find more ways of weaving them together and, and kind of drawing on the strength of each of them um, to work ourselves through this threshold into the next thing. And so really the, the skill, the, the work that I do and the skill that I bring is in that dialogic school and I borrow quite a bit from really all other three, but especially from both the social justice school, if you will, and the embodied um, experiential uh, school as well. Mm. So I, don't, I mean, that's like a very long-winded way of, um, of talking about the philosophy behind it um, or situating what I'm doing in, in, in this field. Um, and I just might add, just this little bit that if you're working in the dialogic space, um, uh, the role of the facilitator 
uh, is a really important role. I mean, it, 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 I think we, most of us have an experience with this. It's like when you are in conflict and you're right in the middle of it, um, it's very hard to, to talk to the other person or to the other people or to the other group. And so the role of the facilitator as a person who will hear the truth of both sides or all sides and help them to be heard by the other uh, becomes very important. And so if I'm facilitating from this position, first of all, I'm, I'm doing it with compassion. I'm bringing like everything that I have in me in terms of um, uh, uh, sympathy, seeing, seeing and reflecting a, a kind of uh, um, uh, multiplicity of truths, if you will. Um, and and then bringing as much patience and humor and uh, silliness and playfulness and creativity to it uh, to it as I can to facilitate meaning make it easier make it easier for people to have uh, to have that conversation so that's my practice is like kind of working with those uh, with those qualities of the matter skills and then uh, and then having enough of a skill that is really about helping people hear each other. So in the beginning, you were talking about some of these um, societal problems that we have, like uh, sexism, racism, white supremacy, um, ecocide, you know, uh, capitalism, I'm going to call that mm -hmm. one too, you know, and mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, can you kind of connect the dots a bit? Because I can, I can really hear and understand how your approach is situated well in an institution like a university and there's a population and everybody's kind of um, on a certain track together. So there is a certain kind of um, scale mm -hmm. and that, that lends itself to some, even a, just a small amount of cohesion, right? Mm -hmm. But when you get up to these large scale cooperation dilemmas, <laughs> what role mm -hmm. would you say this engagement approach, um, what, what role can that play really? Like in, in some, I'm trying to think of like a, an example, like how would we come into this space of, um, justice and dialogue and embodiment together at these with these larger problems like climate change let's say mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's a good i mean i don't know that i totally have an answer for it um i i come from a a background i i, I was a, i was in environmental sciences and then i went into planning community planning and so i definitely have a bias towards the local scale, and uh, which is where we do planning. Community planning happens at the level of, well, whether it's the municipality or the village or the, the town or whatever. Um, and I tend to think um, that part of the part of what is in what is what is problematic about the old system is is actually the big, big, big scale. Uh, and of course, you know, climate change doesn't care about that. That's going to happen at whatever scale that it happens. But I tend to think that the solutions or the ways of working with it will happen at the more local scale, or that, that's at least where I'm putting my eggs. Um, and, you know, the institution, the, the university I work in, um, 75,000 people. So it is really like it's a, it's a town. Um, it, it's not tiny. Um, 
and I and and even within that, you know, I, I work within a faculty or within a department or within a population of students within these subgroups. But I think this is part of the the issue is like because we see for those of us who see the global problem and look at the patterns, and you know, it's it's clear across the board that you know capitalism is killing us or whatever. Um, I think part of the challenge is actually like holding that truth and yet working at the local level. You know, what, what I kind of often see is um, we are in a specific problem between two people or in a small group or something. Um, and if, if we treat it as here is, you know, all the, here's patriarchy talking to women or something like that. I think we are less likely to be able to solve it. I mean, it, it, it's interesting to note the note that we are in that fractal or, or note that we are in that big pattern. But the way we're going to solve it is going into the specifics of the situation and working with what is available in the specific situation to set something different in motion. Um, so the question of scale, I mean, I wouldn't, I haven't seen uh, I can't, yeah, I had at one point, government of Canada has this office of like futurist office or something. It's like a group of people who think about what the future is like. And they came and asked me if, if deep democracy could be applied to the national level in Canada in the future. And they're thinking like a hundred years in the future, they thought that it might be a feasible thing that we would change our political system in a way that um, a more democratic way of uh, having conversations, working through our differences, decision making would be possible. <clears throat> and um, I kind of think, yeah, maybe it is in a hundred years, or or at least it's it's not now. We have not yet figured out how to how to do that on the big big on the big big scale. Um, and that may not be where the answer is. Mm, 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 well said. So why do you personally feel drawn to participate in the pending the threshold event? I, I feel drawn to the, the spaces where people are willing to have this conversation. I mean, I, I just, I would say I would go just about anywhere where people are um, brave enough or um, foolish enough to want to explicitly go into some of these conversations and to do it. Um, with a number of uh, very distinguished folks who've been thinking about these issues for a long time from quite different perspectives. I mean, I, I think they will have, we'll have some speakers and participants who are um, talking about the big scale and the national and the international and the pattern. And then there's like some who are really focused on what's happening internally for an individual and, and what, is, what is within us and that, what does that have to do with how we walk through this um, kind of uh, difficult path. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm totally curious about the different perspectives that um, that both the speakers and the participants bring, the parts of the, uh, the, the event that I'm most involved with will be quite participatory. So it wouldn't just be hearing from speakers, but it will be hearing from everybody in the room or just about everybody in the room. Um, I always am excited about, uh, yeah, just like the personal wisdom that people hold uh, because of their life experience 
um, whether or not they have got a PhD in the whatever thing it is, you know. So, so I'm really excited about that. And then I'm, I'm always um, thrilled when I see, um, uh, uh, you know, the the picture of the folks who are in front of the room, and it's such a diverse group. And and um, uh, I see, uh, yeah, myself represented in that. It's just it, 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 there isn't a lot of opportunity yet to do that and so yeah selfishly I'm just really looking forward to being in that space and and among you folks mm-hmm. same here I, I actually feel uh, that it is reminiscent perhaps you know at a larger scale or just um, at a different kind of scale I don't I don't know it's a bit parallel to uh, the largest deep democracy event I've ever done was the one you hosted uh, entitled is hope bullshit and we had a whole bunch of kind of lefty eco bright green environmentalists come together and um that event really changed the course of my life it it definitely um strengthened some kind of inner commitment i have to uh Mm-hmm. My personal belief that hope is not necessary necessary to proceed, but I also have much more compassion for the folks uh, for whom hope is necessary to proceed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so uh, as soon as I heard it on the wind that Aftab Airfan might be coming <laughs> down to this conference, I was like so overjoyed. I'm absolutely, that's like one of the most exciting things for me is that we're going to get to do some participatory, um, you know, large scale group dialogue together. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I'm so excited. And, and I think you actually had a, a role in nudging me to be here. So, so thank you for that. Uh, I, I do think, I mean, you know, often it's like we go to events and there's this kind of incredible lineup of speakers, but with so much of this, it's like we have to bring it into our own experience and process it and talk to each other. And so, yeah, like for, for an event to make space for that and actually make to be generous space for that, I think is really, is really special. And, and you know, I, I don't go to conferences anymore where it's like a lineup of speaker and one after another, because I feel that the, the part where yeah we get to um talk to that in our own experience and and yeah connect with others including the ones who uh, are hard to have patience for uh, just even understanding their reality a little bit i love the, the way you've talked about it of not getting mad at them as often you know they're they're on their own path and i may totally disagree with them and strategically like just even to save my myself from burning out um i it, it's like easier to have compassion for people you know or it, it's like less um it's less demanding on our psyche i think to have compassion for people while we are also angry and going through, <laughs> exactly. um, you know, calling bullshit and 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 being in grief and you know, like all of that can happen. Uh, and I think, yeah, there's something about, um, I don't know, almost like spending our our energy uh, in the right places or not, uh, yeah not not letting there be a lot of extra energy spent to be upset with things that we, I don't know, 
don't have control over, it's not our turn to change or whatever, and then focusing on the things that we can change. So there's something very strategic for me about uh, like coming into alignment with, with what I'm about and the work that I'm doing. And that is really best done in conversation with other people. So it's, it's going to be exciting to be, to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Um, it just the, the inspiring, but like big vision, you know, for how we can actually think about the scale at which we feel the most comfortable and the most impactful having these fractal layers and having these other impacts at different scales, but working um, at the level of sort of dialogue embodiment and just adjusting how we want to be together. I cannot wait to do that with you. So thanks so much for spending time talking with me today, Aftab. Pleasure. Thank you. To find out more about Tending the Threshold and to purchase live or live stream tickets, go to tendingthethreshold.com. And please don't let money be a barrier. Organizers have a solidarity fund that sponsors people with marginalized identities and less financial privilege. If you have need and would like to attend, reach out to tendingthethreshold at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us.